Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. Good morning. Did y'all have a great Christmas? Yes, we had a great Christmas with our family, and so I'm glad that you did. Thank you for being here again. Uh, Just like Pastor Jonathan said uh, a moment ago, it is um, great to see you here. It was great to see you here on, um, on Christmas Eve. Thank you for being here again today. My question is, how many people in here today received a jacket or coat or a sweater for Christmas, and you were like, I don't care if it's 70 degrees outside, I'm going to wear it today. You, yes, all right, so let's, I actually, somebody's like, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll admit that. Yes, uh, so there are some of us who are probably going to get a little bit warm while we're in here. That's completely okay. I understand why that would happen, um, because if you got it, why not wear it? I understand that completely, so um, we're glad that, you, glad that you're here. Uh, as we have kind of wrapped up this Christmas season and the season, and we're just going to keep moving through that today. Um, Pastor Jonathan also mentioned the the kids' environments this morning. I, I want to brag a moment because as a family pastor, I get a chance to stand up here and and, and not just speak today, but also to be able to to champion those environments and let you know that what's going on. Uh, on the other side of this wall with the nursery, but also next door. It's not child care. It's, it's actually loving kids and serving kids in a way that they really get to understand how much God loves them and instill that truth into them. And we want to do that with, not just with kids, but also with our, our middle and high school students. Um, so that happens on Sunday nights, not tonight, not for the next two weeks. So we'll let you know if you have teenagers, they're not going to be meeting the next two weeks, taking a Christmas break, same way they're out for school. Um, and then we'll see them again on January the 9th for our middle and high school environments. Uh, but we just want you to know that uh, those people who are serving next door, thank you. Um, if you're watching this later on, we want you to know we appreciate you so much for how you serve and serve families well. So we just wanted to mention that as we keep going. We're at the end of a year, we're a part of the time where a new year about to begin, and if you're thinking about stepping in and and connecting and serving in an environment like that, we would love to talk to you about that. We specifically have a fifth grade room only that we call the crossing that is kind of this bridge to move kids from this elementary phase into middle school, which is a pretty difficult phase in and of itself, not just for the kids, but for the parents. Um, And that's a big deal to me because I'm a parent of a soon-to-be second semester fifth grader moving into middle school next year. And so um, we've really intentionally created this environment where they can get ready for that next phase of life. And we actually have some needs in there for people to help lead small groups there in both 9 and 11 a.m. services. And if you're thinking about getting connected and serving in a capacity on a Sunday morning, we think that would be a great spot for you to land. Also, uh, for some of us, uh, we would maybe we're like, I can't serve on Sunday morning. Is there something else? There is actually on Sunday night, not just with middle schoolers. And you're like, I don't know that I want to like lead a middle or high school student. I'll be honest, you have to be called to do that. Like that's, that's not a joke. Like I, I'm telling you, I understand it. And then every parent of every teenager in the room should have said amen out loud and together. Okay. Like we get that. We understand it. Uh, but there is a way that you actually can serve 
separate from Sunday morning and serve on Sunday nights and serve those families and those students, we actually provide a meal every Sunday night. Maybe you enjoy cooking. We would love for you to be a part of that team. Or even if it's like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to cook, but I can serve that food. Awesome. I would love to talk to you after the service. So if you're interested in serving in those crossing environments on Sunday morning with those fifth graders or with our middle and high school students in those capacities on Sunday night, catch me after the service. I would love to talk to you about that. And again, uh, being here doing this at this part of the service kind of allows me the chance to actually talk about that. So I'm glad that I get to share that with you this morning. Uh, As we keep going, speaking of teenagers, has anybody in here ever had a point in time in your life where you're sitting there going, I have no idea what that person is saying to me. Again, all right, again, this if nothing else, this should have been every parent of a teenager in the room because you're sitting there going, the words that are coming out of their mouth sound like things that people say in English, <laughs> but they mean something completely different. All right? I'm not going to get into any of that because I, I kind of want you to figure it out on your own. However, There have been times that all of us have experienced that. For some of us, it's this disconnect between hearing someone in our family, younger than us, older than us, talk about something, and to us, we're sitting there going, that means something completely different than what it means to me. Well, I get that. I understand it. Um, Maybe you've had one of those um, interactions with someone where a joke is told, and that person leans over next to you and goes, I didn't get it. If that's the case, let the joke go. They don't deserve the joke. Don't let them tell. Don't do that. Like, don't, no, I'm kidding. Like, we've had to explain the joke sometimes to do that. Maybe you're the person who leans over and goes, I didn't get it. And you're like, I didn't get it. And someone has to explain it to you. It's like, that's the case. Maybe it's a movie. Something happens in a movie. You watch it, and you're like, why did they do that? Why did that happen? And then someone has to lean over. You have to lean over to someone and explain it to them, what they actually mean in the moment. Um, Maybe one of the things that kind of catches me more so than anything else is when you go through a drive through See, everybody already knows what I'm going to say. Because you can sit there and say, by the way, if you go through a drive through and you ever sit there and go, I don't know what I want, number one with a sweet tea. Just order that every time, and you're usually going to be okay, all right? So let's say that you get to the drive through and you go, number one with a sweet tea. And what you hear back to you is, you're like, Did I just buy the left side of the menu? I don't know what was said when they do that. And then you repeat it again, and you hear, and then it's, then it, but at that point, it's that, that side of it was like, like they're upset with you because you've already said it three times. We've all had some of those times where either people are needing to explain things to us that we don't understand, or we're having to explain something else to someone that we think that they should understand, but they don't. Well, this morning, we're going to, Talk about an instance where Jesus is actually having a conversation with some people and he's actually having to explain who he is. And he's having to do it and and he's he's explaining this message of grace and this message of mercy. But people just don't understand, not necessarily what he's saying, but they don't understand who he is and why he's saying it. What we're going to hear him say multiple times today when we read these verses is that he's going to refer to himself as I am. And it's a callback to Exodus chapter 3 in the Old Testament. Um, it's this instance where uh, uh, Moses has actually had this interaction and this conversation with God through this burning bush. And, and Moses is told, hey, you know, I want you to lead my people out of, out of Egypt and lead them to a promised land. And, and God is telling him this. And he goes, well, what do I tell people when they say, who sent me? 
And God said, you tell them that I am sent you. And it's basically, it's saying, I am who I am. It's God's personal name. Actually, in, in Exodus, if you go back and look at the Hebrew words right there, it's this phrase, ahie, asher, ahie, which literally means, I am who I am. So, people who are listening to what Jesus is going to say in this conversation today would have heard this story and would have understood who I am was because of what happened in Exodus. They would have not only heard about I am, they would have understood how amazing I am is. And the truth is, is that in John's account of uh, the, the gospel and the, in the New Testament, John's account of the life of Jesus, there are going to be many things that Jesus says about himself and calls himself several different things throughout that book. He calls himself the door. He calls himself the way, the truth, and the life. He calls himself the bread of life. He calls himself the living water. He calls himself the resurrection and the life. He calls himself the good shepherd. And he even calls himself the light of the world, which actually is something that he says immediately before this interaction that we're going to read here in just a second. He had said all of those things, but today he is just straight out making it plain and simple when he starts talking to these people, and he calls himself God, and he calls himself I am. People would never be different until they understood the greatness of I am, not just God the Father, but God the Son, and that's what he's wanting them to understand. And Jesus knew that the, them comprehending this and putting these dots together and just getting, getting from point A to point B was going to help them understand that and to make them different. So what we're about to read is really simple language to explain who Jesus is and that Jesus is actually God. He is I am. And so I have a question for you that I want you to ponder throughout the course of this morning. And that question is this, what makes I am greater than I am? Now, I understand that there's some grammar police in here right now. And you are looking up there at the screen and you're going, hold on a second. There's a phrase that's in all caps and the same phrase is in all lowercase. And I already know that it's not supposed to be like that. Well, understand that a lot of times in translations of the Bible, whenever you see I am put together, when it's God saying it, it's referring to his name. So that's why it's up there like that at the beginning. There's a reason why the second I am is all in lowercase, because I think that when we can get past the place of us understanding that I can't fix me, that I can't do that, then I start to understand that I am not greater than I am. So the question I have for us today is literally is, what makes I am greater than I am? And I want to give you a couple things as we read through this. One of the ways that we understand that I am is greater than I am is that only I am can, un overcome, excuse me, can overcome my sin and my disbelief. Only I am can overcome my sin and my disbelief. Let's look at John chapter 8, verse 21. Later, Jesus said to them again. So he's already said this to them. He's had this conversation before at this point. He says, I am going away. This is him literally telling these people that he's having the conversation with, I am going to die. He says, you'll search for me, but you will die in your sin. You cannot come where I'm going. And then people ask, is he planning to commit suicide? 
What does it mean you cannot come where I am going? Jesus continued, you are from below, I am from above. You belong to this world, I do not. That is why I said you will die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am who I claim to be, you will die in your sins. In these verses, Jesus lays out this distinct difference between us and him. He says, you are going to die in your sin. And I get that that is not the the Merry Christmas immediately after we've just experienced Christmas and celebrated it, that some of us sitting there going, well, I'm going to die in my sin. Well, Merry Christmas to me. Like, I get that. Like, but that's the truth. Like, we will die in our sin. The Bible actually tells us in the book of Romans that the wages of sin, of our sin, literally the paycheck for my sin is death and separation from God. I cannot get to God because of my sin. So when Jesus said here, hey, you're going to die in your sin, He was helping them understand that you're going to die in your sin. However, I'm going to die for your sin. He came to be that sacrifice for our life. And this would change every, everything for people at this time. Because in this, this system of, of religion and belief for, for people at this, this point in time, sacrifices would need to be offered. There would be individuals, there would be families who would need to make sacrifices in order for sin to be forgiven. The high priest would make a sacrifice once a year for the entire nation where a sacrifice for an animal animal would be made and blood would be spilt as a way for the entire nation to be atoned. Jesus is trying to explain to these folks that, hey, I am here to be the sacrifice for you. They thought of him as a good man. A lot of people thought of Jesus as a prophet, just a, a spoke per, spoke per, excuse me, spokesperson for God. However, what they didn't recognize in the moment that this was literally God speaking to them, telling them all of these things. That's why this would change everything about what he's having to say. Let's keep going in verse 25. Who are you, they demanded. I don't think that they demanded is even strong enough for us to comprehend right there. Like in my mind at this point, when this is said, my translation of this scripture, this is the Brian translation. You're not going to find that anywhere else because let's be honest, I probably want to keep that to myself. Right there when they say, who are you, they demanded. In my mind, I hear, who do you think you are? Like that's what I think of when I hear that. Jesus replied, I'm the one I've always claimed to be. I have much to say about you and much to condemn. But I underlined the next part in my notes. But I won't. I have much to say of you, say about you and much to condemn, but I won't. For people in here who are fans of the sitcom from the 90s, Seinfeld, to me, what goes through my mind, especially this time of year, is a Festivus for the rest of us, where they celebrate Festivus, and one of the things about Festivus is that there's the airing of grievances, basically where you just let everybody have it for everything that they've done wrong to you during the course of a year. 
Festivus mindset was what would be happening in my head when this was going on. Not Jesus. He says, I have a lot to say about you, a lot to condemn, but I'm not going to do it. For I only say what I've heard from the one who sent me, and he is completely truthful. But they still didn't understand that he was talking about his father. Jesus is wanting them to understand that he's not here to hurl insults. He's here to become a pathway. Jesus came here to become for us to have a pathway to get to God. He didn't come here to condemn. He, he didn't handle that. He handled this completely differently than the way I would have. He handled it in love. He says it in different ways multiple times. He even says, hey, I've told you this before, as I've said before. He said it in different ways. If this was Brian doing this, I would have been standing there going, okay, how many times do I have to say this? Literally, the parent of a preteen would have come out in the moment right there. That's what had. Like this, to quote another uh, a movie line, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Like that's what I would have done right here. That was a really bad Chris Tucker impression, but we'll go with it, okay? That's what I would be thinking in this moment. How many times do I have to say this to everyone? How many times do I have to say it? Do I need to say it a little bit quieter? Do I need to say it a little bit louder? Do I need to make you laugh while that's happening? Do we need to be a little more serious? What do I need to do? But Jesus doesn't say it like that. I would have sat there and gone, come on, y'all. You've got to understand this at some point in time. We've all had some of those moments in our lives where we're sitting there going, trying to get through to someone else, and it just doesn't make sense. And we think, well, we're saying it over and over again. Jesus was doing that right here. He was saying it over and over, and people weren't getting it. And so he gets to the point where he's like, I'm just telling you, I've, I'm who I am. I've claimed, uh, I'm exactly who I've claimed to be. But he didn't come to hurl insults and mock. It would have been so easy for him to do that because he's already told them, you're going to die in your sin. You're from this world. You're from below. I'm from above. This is not Jesus being passive aggressive. This is Jesus acting in love. And truth be told, that as followers of Christ, That's something I think that we need to catch a hold of and that we need to be imitating daily. It's not my responsibility to imitate or to, to condemn. It's not, my, it's not my place to mock what an unbelieving world doesn't get. I'm here to love. I can say whatever I want to. I have an opportunity to say it, but I won't. I do think it's something that we have to understand. It's that something that, as I've been reading through this, has rem- as I've been reminded of this over and over again. Brian, why would you have responded that way? Because the truth is, is that God was in flesh. He wasn't going to sin. He was going to be the sacrifice for everyone else. You're not going to be that. So what right do you have to condemn or to throw off or to mock anyone else or insult? Instead, just do what Jesus did. He came to earth to become the sacrifice for our sin. 
This is Jesus looking at these folks and saying, look, some of you have already believed in me because of what I've done. They've seen, you've seen the miracles, you've seen the things, you've heard the stories. Now believe what I'm saying. We have to understand that he's saying, hey, I'm not here to condemn you. I think a lot of us believe that God is sitting up in heaven right now, looking down, waiting, making a list to sit there and go, this is what I don't like about these folks. This is why they think they're unlovable because they're not. It couldn't be further from the truth. God loves you. He loves you so incredibly much that he would send his son. He would come to earth to die for you. He would die for me because he, I can't overcome my sins, so he became the sacrifice. That's what he's trying to get people to understand in this moment. But the only way we can really understand that, if we ever get to the point to recognize that we can't do enough, we can't work enough, we can't be enough, because he's everything, because he is I am. The same God who set his people free thousands of years ago is the same God who wants to set you free today. But I'm never going to overcome my sin and my disbelief on my, on my own. That's where Jesus is going to come, come in. So let's keep reading in John 8, 28. So Jesus said, when you've lifted up the Son of Man on the cross, then you will understand. Here it is. I am He. I do nothing of my own, but say only what the Father taught me. And the one who sent me is with me. He has not deserted me. For I always do what pleases Him. And then I underline this next part in my notes. Then many who heard Him say these things believed in Him. First and foremost, we need to remember that only I am can overcome my sin and my disbelief, but I also need to understand that only I am can change my life. Only I am can change my life. Notice that last sentence. Then many who heard him say these things believed in him. They were changed. A lot of us have experienced things that we would say have changed our lives. For some of us, you became a parent. That changed your life. For some of us, you got a driver's license. It changed your life. For some of us, there are things that happen with a job that changed our lives. There are things that happen with the loss of a loved one that has changed our life. And I'm not discrediting and discounting it because there are things where my life has changed, but the truth is what I've really started to understand is that the real that change that comes out of those things is what I am is doing in my heart and life when I'm going through those things. There are a lot of things that we think change us personally, that change us culturally as a society. So I thought we would just go through a few things over the last few decades that have changed us, that people would say would have changed us. So let's jump back to the 60s. I can't jump back there. Some of y'all can, but we're going to jump back there. How many people 
In the room, I would love to see this. How many people remember when President John F. Kennedy was assassinated? I'm raising to see if, thank you for raising your hands. There are people who remember that. I remember hearing, I'm not saying that so that we spark a conversation about was there another shooter on a grassy knoll or any of that kind of stuff. That's not what we're trying to do. That was something that changed our country, changed our nation, changed people individually. I remember my dad telling me that he could still remember where he was at when he heard that the president had been shot. It changed him. How many people in here remember when Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated and killed? Again, this was something that hit our country in a a very distinct way. This was someone who was uh, standing up for the rights of people and equal rights and was someone who was helping people understand that we love people the way that God loves people. And this is something that he was saying and he was, was changing our country. His death was a really big deal still is today. Let's move into the 70s. How many people remember when uh, this guy died? Raise your hand. Elvis. All right. Okay. All right. There are people in here. I'm just going to be honest about this one for a minute. There are probably some of us in here that are more more compelled to to say, I remember when Elvis died because you were thought that Elvis was the greatest thing that ever was God's gift to the earth. And then there are men in here who thought that those are people thought the same thing. Like, that's the thing. Like, there are people like, I just wish that my wife would look at me the way she did at Elvis. Like, that was the thing. I understand it. If you dance like that, she might. I'm just saying. I don't know. That's why my wife doesn't look at me like, wait. Um, so, okay, that was, that, was, that was probably a little too much laughter down here at whoever it was that said that. But it is true. No, this was a big deal. Because this was an American icon. This was a a music icon that changed people's lives. It changed a music industry. It was people were were compelled and drawn to him. I think about the, the people who had the tickets to the concert that was supposed to happen after he died. I would say they were changed in some way. There were a lot of people who shed a lot of tears. That was something that happened. That was a big thing. Now let's move ahead to the 80s. Now we're getting to places that I, I understand and I remember at this point. How many people remember when this happened? The Challenger space shuttle exploded in the, in the 80s. Yes, okay, more hands now. Yes, I remember when this happened. Uh, I was in elementary school. I remember um, that a girl's mom that was in our class came in. She was helping in the class that day, and she actually came in and said the space shuttle had exploded. And this was a really big deal because even for this, this clip that's up, or the, this picture that's up here, notice that it says six in crew and high school teacher are killed because there was a civilian. It was a high school teacher that was a part of that crew, and it was a really big deal. But I remember this girl's mom coming in and saying that, and then I remember they took us to the library because we didn't have TVs in the classroom where I was school at, at that point. And so they took us in there, and then the, li- the librarian, like, wheeled a card in. Some of us are like, this is something? Yes, and it was a card that wasn't a TV that was, like, that thick, okay? It was a TV that had a hump on the back. Like, that's what it was. That's, some of you are like, these are things? Yes, they really are. Go look them up. I remember they wheeled it, and maybe one of the reasons that I remember this so much when they wheeled it in is I actually remember, like, the creaking of the cart going through. I don't know if it was the cart or if it was the joints of the little old librarian when she came in. Uh, so my joints creak, too, all right? I, mine do. Uh, that was, that, wow, that was some. 
I am can overcome my sin. <laughs> and in this case, I'm going to look over here because that's where I heard the majority of it from. I am can overcome your disbelief. All right, just stick with me, okay? No. I remember that happening to the point that every time that a space shuttle launched after that, everything that went through my head was waiting to see if it was going to explode midair or not. Our space program rampantly, like, didn't decline, but we just didn't launch as many things after that. It was a really big deal. I don't have any pictures from the 90s. There were things that happened. Like, I grew up in the 90s, but, I mean, what I remember essentially is Vanilla Ice and MC Hammer, and I don't want to put a picture of them up there. <laughs> Let's give ahead to the 2000s. How many people remember September 11th, 2001, where you were? I remember where I was at when I heard that the first plane hit the first tower. I was on my way to work the first church that I was serving at. I remember right as I started to get out of the car to go in that I heard that the second plane had hit the second tower. I distinctly remember that. I remember going in that day and we had a school that was a part of the church and getting phone calls continuously all morning. What are you going to do? Are you going to let the kids out? Are they, are they safe? Because even at this point, in, in Honeyapath, South Carolina, everybody thought everyone was a target. And that's what everyone was thinking. I remember being in there that day and thinking, how do we accomplish anything today? I remember going home at lunch and watching everything that was happening going home that night and watching everything that was happening. The next day, watching everything that was happening. It changed the way that air travel worked. It changed security measures. It changed our nation. And these are all things that we would say have changed us culturally. Some of us more individualized than others. There are things that we would say, even a list that I kind of rattled off earlier, things that have happened in our lives, we say, this has changed me and has changed me profoundly. But again, I would say to you that one of the things that I've experienced in my own life, that when things that I think are changing me, it's actually the work of the Holy Spirit. It is the work of I am in my life and through the lives and the words of others' people that are actually changing me in that moment. Things really do impact our lives, but only one thing can truly change us. And that's the power of I am. Completely changed. You see, when the fo folks who were listening to Jesus say these words, once they understood, once they finally started putting together and connecting the dots from the I am that they had heard about their entire lives was the same I am that was standing right in front of them who came to become the sacrifice for their sins. When they connected the dots that the I am who had this conversation with Moses through a burning bush was the same I am who was born in a manger. When they recognized that the same I am who led 
the nation of Israel out of captivity in Egypt was the same I am who would lead them from captivity from the sin. When they recognized the same I am who parted the Red Sea and made a way for them to get to dry land, to continue on this path to this promised land that God had given them, is the same I am who would make a way for us to get to God. When they would recognize that the same I am who would provide manna from heaven as they wandered through the wilderness so they would not starve, is the same I am who would provide for them in this very moment. When they recognized the same I am who led these people by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire at night so they would know where to go, is the same I am who is directing our steps and our direction in our lives today. The same I am who told them, march around Jericho. And on the seventh day, when you march that last time, shout and blow trumpets and the walls are going to fall. It's the same I am who was continuing to protect them and deliver them from their enemies during that time. The same I am who had given this little shepherd by the name of David the courage and the strength to go up against this giant in Goliath so that they could understand that they already had victory in their lives. Was the same I am who was going to defeat death, hell, and the grave so that they could have victory in their lives. That same I am was standing right in front of them. And not only was standing in front of them, but because he said he didn't come to condemn, he didn't wasn't just standing there with them, he was standing there for them. If there will come a point in our lives, if we will just start to connect the dots and understand that the same I am who answered the prayers of his people thousands of years ago, is the same I am who's answering the prayers in your lives right now. The same I am who provided for his people then is the same I am who died to provide a way to get to God. The same I am who provided protection for the nation of Israel is the same I am who is protecting us now even in the midst of the struggles or in the worst possible things that could hit us out of nowhere. The same I am who did these miracles and parted a Red Sea, made walls fall. It's the same I am who was at work in our lives and the miracles that we see happen in our lives. The walls that we see fall in our lives or in the walls that we see fall in others or God making a way when we don't see a way. It's the same I am who was saying these things here and it's the same I am who is guiding us today. But the only way that those people would remember or that they would be changed in that moment and that they would trust what Jesus was saying is that they had to get past this veil of religion. That veil, that veil had to be removed. And that's what actually overcomes our sin and our disbelief and actually changes us as individuals today. It's this veil of religion sometimes. Not the to-dos, not the rules, not the expectations. But what Jesus did, who Jesus is, and how he did it for us.
We need to understand that God isn't out there, distant, far away. No, he's right here with us. We just celebrated this season of Emmanuel, God with us. I am with us. We have to recognize that this Jesus who's saying these things and did these things for us, who paid this price, is the same Jesus that we've talked about so much for the last month or so. It's the reason why we celebrate. And that because God is with us, we need to understand that life isn't only impacted, but it is changed. And as a result, my disbelief and my sin will be overwhelmed by that same I am. So I want to ask you to close your eyes, bow your heads. No one looking around. I believe that this is a place of change. I've seen lives change in front of my eyes. In the almost five years that I've been a part of Springwell, I've seen my life change. Not because of who I am, not because of what I've done, but because I am is greater than I am. So maybe you're here today even for the first time and you haven't heard this message of God loving us this much, of Jesus even saying, I didn't come here to condemn you. I didn't. I came here to become a pathway, to be the sacrifice so that you don't have to, to die and be separated for eternity from God. I died for your sins. I made that sacrifice. And that I love you. You don't have to keep working so hard. You don't have to keep doing more and more. You don't have to dot all of the I's and cross all of the T's because I've done all of that. And I'm not here to tell you how horrible you are. Stop believing that lie. I'm here to tell you I love you. So maybe today it's a change that needs to happen in your life. Maybe you've understand that I am is greater than I am. You believe that. You've experienced that in your own life. You have that relationship with him, but for some reason there's something in there where it's just not making sense right now. Today, this is just an opportunity for it to be put plainly to connect the dots. And just remember, God, I love you. You've done this in my life. I've experienced this, but it's time for me to go back and remember that I can't fix all of the things that are wrong with me, and I'm, I'm tired of trying, even though I already know it's you. Remind me that you are greater than I am, that I am as greater than I am. 
And if you have that relationship with Jesus today, maybe you just need to have that conversation with him right now and just say, you're greater than me. I believe it. And remind me of that. But there are some of us who are here for the, the first time hearing these things. And we're like, can I really have a relationship with God? Do I have to, is it really the fact that I don't have to follow the rules or the do's and don'ts or all of that? Is, is I am is so much greater than I am? Is it, is it so true? Is it that God himself would send his son would walk this earth the same way that we do so that we could have new life because of his sacrifice? Yes. Because I am is greater than I am. And if that's you and you want to begin that relationship with God today, in this moment, just say something to him. Just had this conversation with God. God, I, I'm tired of trying to fix me. I can't do enough. There are some things that have happened in my life that are bigger than I am. They've changed me. They've impacted me. But God, I know that the real change needs to come from you. So I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin today. And I believe that you love me so much that you sent your son and Jesus came to earth and then he died and gave his life for me and then he rose again three days later so that I can experience the full power in, of your greatness. That I can experience the power of I am. And today I am admitting that I am is greater than I am. overwhelm my sin and my disbelief change me from the inside out and make me something new God I pray that as we get ready to start a new year that this is something that we'll remember over and over sometimes it's easy to sit there and say hey this year is, is over I'm ready to move on to the next one but as we do I pray that we won't move on to it based on what we can or can't do but we'll move on based on who you are and what you've done for us. Because I can't fix it. I cannot change me. I can't overcome those things. Only you, only I am can do that. God, thank you for reminding us today that I am is greater than I am. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.